this is where you break all those things down. You break down all the steps and you make sure that you are telling them what they're gonna receive, telling them what the outcome could be, telling them what they're missing out on. So you're gonna touch all of the points of a person, their pain points, their highs and lows. You're listening to the Copywriter On Call Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gillis, copywriter, word magic maker, and owner of What Sarah Said. On this podcast, you'll feel empowered to show up online in a way that has you saying, that's so me. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Copywriter On Call podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gillis, and I am logging some on-call hours today with a friend of mine, show it website designer and HoneyBook Pro, Octavia Elise. I'm so excited to have you, Octavia. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So let's dive in. I'm so excited to have you. I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Awesome. Hi, everyone. I am Octavia Lease. I am a show at website designer and a HoneyBook Pro. Yay. I'm actually based here in Atlanta. I work with small business owners and creatives to help revitalize their websites and workflows with a little strategy and pixie dust. Love that. So we've met at a couple different conferences throughout the last few years, and I have just loved getting to know you. And it's been so fun because we've actually gotten to partner on some projects too. You on the creative yes. end and me on the copy end, which has been really great. So love that so much. And great. I'm so excited to have you here. So I would love yeah. to just start off with you and say, first, how do you think website design can help business owners attract their ideal clients and show up as themselves online? I know that's a big ask, right? But how, did, <laughs> how does website design play a role in that? Well, you know what? Lately, I have been telling people this. We have noticed an increase in the amount of times that social media goes down. Instagram and Facebook, all those things just seem to be having glitches lately. And if those things actually just shut down for days or weeks on end for whatever reason, you only have your website left for people to find you. So it is super important that you actually invest time and energy into creating a website that's really going to talk to people, talk to your ideal client, make sure you give them all the information. It just plays a huge part in letting people know that you are here, who you are, what you stand for, what your business stands for, and how you can help them. I always tell people, if you don't have a website, you're just, you have an expensive hobby that you're just kind of partaking in. Because like I said, without social media, a lot of business owners would be out of business. Yeah. Because they absolutely. haven't taken the time to do their website or even taken the time to figure out who their ideal client is and how to actually speak to them through their website. Because it's a lot different. The way you speak to people on your website and the way you speak to someone on social media can be very different sometimes. And mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you're doing that well. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about showing up as authentically as you on your website? You talk about the difference sometimes between social media and website design and the copy that appears in both. I know that on social media, I'm a lot more conversational and relaxed and I show up a little bit more polished on my website, but I would love to know your thoughts about that. Are we showing up differently depending on the platform? What do you think? I think there has to be a mixture. I wouldn't say completely differently. I think there's a tad bit of an elevation on your website than on social media, right? Like for me, if you look at my Instagram, it's a lot more personal just because I'm trying to connect on a personal level. And they're like, hey, I like the fact that she likes Disney or my kids play baseball as well. Just like, you know, that mm -hmm. baseball life, it helps them to make that connection. And then they you're like, oh, she seems like a fun person to work with. Then they head over to my website. They're going to get the same 
connection, but a little bit more polished. That's how I put the two together. The marriage between my social media presence and my website presence is just, like I said, on my social media, it's definitely a lot, like you said, more conversational, much more friendly, much more laid back, more real life things. And all, and I also discuss those things on my website, but then of course you get more of the business aspect on the website. Yeah. I love that word elevate. Like it really yeah. is just a, a little bit more polish. And yes. I like to say website copy is like when I write for clients, it's like you on your best day. Like when none of the words get stuck in your brain, when none of yeah. the awkwardness happens, it's you on your best day. And I love that so much. Exactly. Definitely. Definitely you on your best day on your website. Yeah. I love that. So tell me a little bit about you personally. So showing up as yourself online in your business, what has that looked like for you personally? Is that something that's a struggle for you? Is that something that's always come naturally? Tell me a little bit about what it means to you to show up as Octavia in your business? Well, so it's very much a struggle for me just because I, so I'm super charismatic. I am super personable when I'm around people, but when it's just me, I am very much right into criminal minds, trying to figure out what my neighbors are up to, right? So for me, it's a struggle sometimes to show up online. I really struggle with image positivity. Like I don't like the way I look. And I think a lot of us just struggle. Oh, I don't like my teeth. I don't like my hair. That's a huge struggle for me. For so long, I was really tiny. And I mean, like 100 pounds tiny. And now that I'm like 100 plus pounds, it's definitely a lot different. And for me to show up because I no longer look the way I used to. So me showing up authentically, it's hard. But at the same time, I have really made great strides in trying to actually get over, not get over, but move past what I feel like I look like and just know what I'm going to show up when I see other people that I feel like look like me and I'm like they show up all the time I can do that and so I really try to hone in on that and I try to show up in ways that really represent me so I show up as a baseball mom I show up as someone who loves Disney it helps me fight all those insecurities that I have with inside of myself if I'm just like hey these are the things I like I show up as Otis's mom that's my furry friend that's laying here looking at me kind of crazy right now. So I show up with my authentic self with the things that I like mm -hmm. and the things that interest me. And I hope that someone else is looking at me like, you know what? She can show up just like I can. And same as like I see you. You inspire me a lot of the times. Maddie Pashong definitely mm -hmm. inspires me. And I actually sent her a message the other day. I was like, girl, I don't know if you wear makeup or not, but it doesn't look like you do. And that gives me all the confidence I need to show up. I don't think people realize, because I feel like so many people use filters. I am really drawn to people that don't use filters because it gives me the confidence. Like, you know what? I don't need a filter. I don't need makeup today. I can just come as you are. Yeah, I love that. I think no one is a stranger to those insecurities and having to battle through those to show up, whether you're a business owner or not. But I think that when you add business yeah. to it, there's a whole nother layer of that permission that you give yourself to do that, but also that inspiration and that permission that you give other people, right? If I am asking yes. my clients to be vulnerable in their copy and I'm not showing up in a vulnerable way on my social media, in my business, how can I ask them to do mm -hmm. something I'm not willing to do? And so I think it's yep. it really is important to do the work and to be that person that you are truly online and in your business. And that doesn't mean it's easy. I mean, that certainly doesn't no. mean it's easy. But I feel like watching you really showcase who you are, what you do, and all of the things that you love, that's really what makes people connect with you and relate to you. 
And so I'm curious, what does it feel like for you when you show up as yourself and when you are able to kind of embrace who you are in business and in life? What happens as a result of that? It feels absolutely amazing. There are no words. So the best word I can use to describe it, it feels super califragilisticexpialidocious. When I show up as myself and the response is always so overwhelming. It is hard to describe. It, it fills my heart. It fills me with joy. It gives me those nice uh-oh feelings, those butterflies mm -hmm. in your stomach. And as a result, I typically attract clients that feel the same way, have the same interests. So it makes the projects go a lot smoother. Mm -hmm. And when you are working with someone who is like-minded or have like interests, in between project things, you can also chat about the things that you guys have in common. Whether it's, right. like I said, for me, it's usually baseball, Disney, Otis, Bulldogs, my kids. People are attracted to me because I'm a boy mom. I'm a single mm -hmm. parent. It's all those little things. And they're like, oh, if she's a single parent and she has three boys and she does all the things, then I can do it. Mm -hmm. it. And it's always about, for me, it's always about how can I help the next person see their full potential? and then take that full potential and put it into their website or their client experience. I think that you have such a unique gift to do yeah. that. I mean, bringing the full experience of a person into their design, into how they show up and communicate, that's such a gift that you have. And I'm so glad that you're sharing that with people and with me today. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoy oh. it. For so long, I didn't think that people wanted to show up authentically because even me, I felt like my brand had to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. It had to have a certain tone because that's what everyone else was doing, right? All the other luxury web designers. But when I finally took a step outside of that and I was like, you know what? I like colorful things. I like all the things. So I want to show up that way. It made a difference in the clients that I attracted and in the projects that I actually produced. I enjoyed them more because I'm actually doing what I love and I get to wear pink and purple in my Disney ears and it's okay. Yes, of course. It, there's a freedom in that, right? There's a freedom and a permission that not only you're giving to yourself, but others. And I think that when you show that, you attract that too, which is a really mm -hmm. fun place to be in business. Love it. Okay, so let's pivot a little bit here. I want to talk shop with you for a little bit. So I'm a copywriter, you're a web designer. We obviously chat yes. a lot with our clients about sales pages and about what that looks like. So let's bring that conversation mm -hmm. here to the podcast. So tell me okay. a little bit about how you describe to clients who might not know what a sales page is and how it's a little bit of a different thing than just like, oh, I'm just listing my services. So when I'm describing a sales page to someone, it is very much an extended version of your service page. It is uh, much more detailed versus just something simple like, oh, you get five of these, six of these, mm -hmm. whatever it is that you're selling. I try to explain to them, this is where you break all those things down. You break down all the steps and you make sure that you are telling them what they're going to receive, telling them what the outcome could be, telling them what they're missing out on. So you're going to touch all of the points of a person, their pain points, their highs and lows. You're going to make sure you tell them what the feeling is going to look like, what their life could be like. You're just going to constantly, constantly reiterate that on a sales page. Basically, that's what it is. It's repetition because you're going to say the same thing in maybe five different ways on a sales yeah. page. But it's all about how it connects with them. You'll have a section. Let's say you're talking about someone's pain points. You can do that in a paragraph form. You can do that in bullet form because mm -hmm. everyone responds differently to information when they're receiving it. Right. right. So having those different aspects about the same thing on one page 
it will speak to almost anyone. Yeah. When I say sales page, people are like, well, I don't, I'm not a coach. I don't need one of those. And yeah. it's like, oh, no, but you do, honey. You do. Because it's really diving into that client's mindset and helping them to see why this offer, this service is going to be what they are looking for. And I love the idea of it's just an extension of that services page. That's key. That's a huge, great way to explain it. So I'd love to dive in with you about what are the must-haves when you're looking at a sales page. And so I definitely have my list of copy must-haves, but I'd love your thoughts on the design side of what does it need to look like, scroll like, feel like as you're walking through a sales page for a service provider? So the biggest thing for a sales page for me is definitely white space. A lot of times we can smush things together. That's the best way to describe it. It's like one thing on top of another to where when someone is scrolling, they can't even digest what they're reading because everything is so squished together. So definitely the biggest thing is always white space, giving things places to breathe. That's my biggest thing. Imagery. People connect with people. When you are choosing imagery for your sales page, I really tell people to make sure that it's actually connecting, that it speaks to someone. Like it's not just a random stock photo. A lot of times when we're doing brand sessions, we just want to get pictures of ourselves. Like no, having good stock photo that actually relate to your brand and what it is that, what service you're selling makes all the difference because at the end of the day, that's what they're buying. They're buying working with you not with iStockPhotos.com, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Those are definitely two of the biggest design things for me. And making sure that your brand is actually represented. The brand colors, because of course we all know that colors evoke certain emotions. Right. So making sure that those colors that are in your brand are present. And also the colors that of the feelings that you want people to have when they are looking on your sale page, those colors are represented as well. That's so key. And honestly, the biggest thing for me from just an outsider's view on the design is it has to look like it belongs with the rest of your website. That's the thing that I see most often is people pivot into a different posture, a different tone of voice when they're selling something. And it's like, girl, you can sell with your same voice. You don't have to put on something stiff or icky like a blazer. Like you can put on that normal voice and use that to connect and to sell too. It doesn't have to be different and it shouldn't be in my opinion. No, it shouldn't be. And I see that a lot. Sales pages tend to be very much more stiffy than the person you see on Instagram, than the person that you see on their website. It's very formal. And like you said, you can say, hey girl, on your sales page, because that's what they're used to. That's what they're looking for. Otherwise they're not gonna connect with it. And another design aspect I just thought about while you were talking was is how you present the copy that you that is written for your sales page, how you present it. A lot of times we want to, you have these long paragraphs. No one is reading that. It's 2023. I'm not reading yep. all that, okay? Bullet points or small paragraphs make all the difference in the design of how your sales page looks and, like I said, how it connects to someone. Because at the end of the day, you want to attract them and you want to keep them there to read all the great things that you paid good money for the copywriter to write for you so that they can press the button at the end of the day. Yeah, and I mean, especially thinking about how it views on mobile, those long paragraphs are not gonna serve anybody. No, no. and that white space is so much more important on mobile, I would argue. I mean, yeah. it's definitely important on the desktop version for sure, but 
man, most people are making purchasing decisions on their mobile devices. And so it's something yep. to think about. It's definitely something to think about. That's what I always tell people, your mobile design should definitely take precedence over your desktop because most consumers are on their phone when they are making purchases. Even you just think when people, when I'm on Instagram and I see something, I click on it and I'm still on my mobile, I'm not gonna be like, oh, let me go to my desktop and do this. Like I saw Natalie this morning, she's at jury duty. You can buy things, you know what I mean? While you're at jury duty, but you're gonna be on your phone. You're not gonna be sitting there with your laptop. Exactly, exactly. And I think part of the sales page that really speaks to me is that mindset piece. And that's my must have, right? Is speaking yeah. into the mindset of that client. What are they What are they needing? And how can you include those mindset motivators that help them to identify, okay, am I the right client for this offer? And help them to feel confident in making that purchasing decision. That's so key. Very much so. Very, very much so. Do you ever wish you actually had a copywriter on call? That's what's possible when you book a VIP day with me. From a website copy polish or a custom long form sales page to an email welcome sequence or launch sequence, I'll flex my done for you muscles and take on your top priority to do's in a half day or a full day VIP experience. Whether you've got one project or a full slate of copy related tasks, I'll work behind the scenes to craft word magic that feels authentic to you and your brand. By the end of the day, you'll have your project in hand or implemented live on your website or email list. If this sounds like exactly what you need, head on over to whatsarahsaid.com VIP to learn more. Tell me about your thoughts on social proof and frequently asked questions. Like, do you think those are essential in helping you make a purchasing decision? And so then do you recommend that clients include those? I'll touch on frequently asked questions first. Yes, yes, and yes. Because anytime I make a purchase, the first thing I'm doing is going to go look at the reviews. We all do it on Amazon. I do it on almost anything that I buy. I'm going to see how other people thought that this product was or thought yeah. that this service was. And so the same thing applies to us as creatives. People want to know what other people thought about what it was like to work with you. And if you don't have that social proof, I guarantee you your sales won't be as fruitful as you would like them to be. People buy from people at the end of the day when you are making the decision to buy like Amazon, right? They have the FAQs and mm -hmm. then someone will ask a question and then someone, Amazon, I guess, yeah. or the seller will provide an answer. And then someone will come in and whatever. So that's definitely huge. With the FAQs, I typically try to tell people to stay under five or six yeah. because at that point you can make a blog post, yep. right? Anytime you have more than five or six questions, it's a blog post. Don't put 20 questions in your FAQs. It's just not a good look and no one's going to read all 20. So that's a huge thing. But like I said, with social proof, I definitely think that people buy from people. I definitely hope that most people, when you are providing social proof, you're including an image. Because again, we buy from people. It's nice to read a testimonial about, oh, this service is great. But when I can mm -hmm. see the person, and I, I mean, I'm the person, I don't know about you. I look up the person's name and see, like, I'll go Google them and make sure it's a real person because I'm that creepy person. I think that's doing your due diligence, girl. I think that's I am good. doing my due diligence. But yeah, I think that's where I fall with both of those. I think they're very important and they both serve a purpose. And if you're not including them anywhere on your website, you are missing out. Yeah, I agree. I think too, what the beauty of an FAQ section in particular, frequently asked questions is just to anticipate, right? Anticipate those questions and show that you have that posture of really creating that environment where it's safe to ask questions, 
but also where you're anticipating mm -hmm. their needs so beautifully that they can say, oh, well, I was going to ask that, but here it is. And I love the opportunity exactly. to serve that client, even before they say yes, even before they click purchase, serving that client to show yeah. them, I can anticipate your questions and I'm what you need. That's a beautiful thing. And that's the biggest part, right? Most people don't realize that you want to definitely answer questions before someone asks. If yeah. you don't, then they will likely inquire with all these questions that could have possibly been on your FAQ. And if you are noticing people are asking the same questions, that's a dead giveaway that, hey, this should probably be a FAQ or better yet, a blog post. It could be an FAQ and a blog post. Right. Because, of course, we're all about increasing our SEO. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, girl. Love that. Tell me a little bit about calls to action. A, a sales page is longer. It's an extended version of that services page. So you've got to have calls to action that appears throughout. What does that look like for you from a designer standpoint? So I am a call to action every other or every two sections on your website because you don't want people to have to scroll too many times to be able to contact you. If at some point I've decided, hey, I'm definitely want to work with Sarah. She is the one for me. I don't want to have to scroll back to the top or scroll to the bottom or for better yet, just be looking all over the place for a button. The next thing with the buttons is my call to actions. I personally like for them to be all the same color. I know mm. that that's a personal preference. I like them all the same color because once they've seen it once or twice, when they are scrolling through the pages, they know exactly what they're looking for. Oh, I they love know that. that, oh, I'm looking for this button that's going to be this color. And I always tell people to make sure it's usually the loudest or brightest, one of the brightest colors in your color palette. Mm. And you just know that, hey, and you make the buttons the same across all of your platforms. So yeah. even when I am sending out a newsletter, my newsletter buttons are the same color as the ones that are on my website. Oh, that's smart. I'm super intentional about making my call to actions all the same color. They will always be yellow unless I decide to make a whole change. But my call to action buttons are always the yellow that's in my color palette. Every single time, that's what you will see. It will always be the yellow unless for whatever reason I can't customize it, but I don't know where I can't. But mm -hmm. yeah, making sure they're all the same colors, because guess what? If someone clicks on my newsletter, it's yellow when they go to my website and they know that the yellow buttons are the, how they get around and how they get to the next place. I love that. I love that. What about the actual copy? I love doing like I want in or that's me or book now or buy now. But I'm curious what from a design standpoint you think about how that plays in terms of converting? So for me, I am very much, I like conversational copy on the buttons, right? On my call to actions, I like the very conversational. So a lot of times it's like, yeah, girl, or like you said, I want in, or Octavia help me, or give me the pixie dust. Whatever the words are, those words that I use in my brand, those are typically what I'm gonna use on the copy on my buttons. I'm not a fan of the generic ones, the learn more, contact now. And they serve a purpose depending on the context of the section. But for me, I want it to be much more conversational just because, again, I really feel that's what connects better with people. Especially when you're talking about a small business, we're not talking about like Coca-Cola or Old <laughs> Navy. But, yep. you know, we're talking about like us, how we actually talk. And our business is definitely based on a personal connection. So having buttons that, you know, also speak that same tone is very important. So mine are yeah. usually much more conversational. Like I said, young girl or... I mean, it will even, some of my buttons says girl, G-U-R-L, because in my copy on Instagram, you a lot of times when I spell girl, it's G-U-R-L. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's that same concept or, or I say y'all because I'm from the South. Mm -hmm. So it will say the same things. 
again, I that's just that. my personal preference. I like it to be conversational and I want it to connect across all the platforms. And what a beautiful way to just, again, extend your personality and show people who you are, right? That's yeah. authenticity right there. I love that so much. Okay, so let's flip into kind of the last part of our conversation here. I know that for many of my clients, whether they're brand new to business or they are just refining their offers, thinking about how to make things easier on themselves as a business owner, they are just spinning their wheels trying to figure out, okay, where do I start? Do I get a CRM? How do I use my CRM better? Or how can I create a web design that actually does show it me as my myself? So tell listeners about these business consulting calls that you're offering and how they can actually stop them from just spinning their wheels and not doing anything. So my business consulting calls, they are designed for people to align all of their processes together, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times people struggle with what to do first. Like you said, I don't know whether to do my CRM first. I don't know whether to do my website first. Where am I supposed to, what kind of Images should I be looking for? All of those pieces that we need to pull together to make our brand present and functional and where we're happy and where we're actually making money. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when we get on these calls, I will sit down. Usually there's a questionnaire that goes out before. Tell me what you're struggling with or tell me what your process is. And that way I have a few days to sit down and dissect. And I know what we need to touch on. But then when we get on the call, I tell them, give me a brief synopsis of just how they look at their business. What do they feel like they need help with? And from there, we just sit down and we say, okay, these are things we're going to tackle in order. What an order of importance. Usually the basic thing is SOPs. Mm -hmm. Without the SOPs, we can't really do much of anything else. I mean, we could, but then again, we'd be still piecing it together. Like, how do you want your business to actually function? Yeah. And so once we go over that, then we're able to say, okay, this is the CRM you need. What's important for you with the CRM? If, what if features are important. If someone tells me having a mobile app is important, I will typically point them in the direction of HoneyBook. If someone mm -hmm. tells me they need more automation triggers, then I would point you in the direction of Dubsado, mm -hmm. right? Those are the two platforms that I prefer when I'm referring people to which CRM works better for them. Mm -hmm. Same thing with website design. Granted, as a show it designer, I will always tell you to go to show it, but maybe your brain doesn't work that way. Maybe your brain works better with Squarespace. So then that's where you need to be. So that's basically how the consulting calls go. It's just helping you figure out what it is that you need to better streamline your client flow from start to finish. That's so valuable because it's one-on-one. -on -one. It's personalized conversation. It's opportunities to really connect with the business owner on their own terms, right? On their own turf. What are they comfortable with? What are they offering? And how can they best serve their people? And I love that you have both the web design background and the HoneyBook, the CRM background to really be able to speak to both. That's wonderful. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing. A lot of times people, they come to me, they're like, oh, I've kind of started dabbling here and I've started dabbling there. And they don't even have their packages together. So every time that they're in their HoneyBook, they are always creating new assets because they don't have a client flow that really works or uh, they don't have an idea of how they want their client flow to go. And then their prices on their website might be different. So when someone's inquiring, they're all over the place versus saying, hey, this is what the price is. This is what I offer. A lot of times people, they try to accommodate everybody. And sometimes you can't accommodate everybody. You have to stick to what makes you happy. Like I always say, if it doesn't make you feel like you're at Disney World, then it's probably not the right offer you should be offering. So if mm -hmm. you're a service provider and you're doing something that you just absolutely dread every time it's time to do it, 
then maybe you should reconsider that offer. And sometimes they need someone else to help them get to that place. And that's where I come in. I'm like, how does this make you feel on a scale of one to 10? How does this offer make you feel when you are actually doing it? Yeah. And if it doesn't, if it's not above a seven or eight, I'm like, you probably want to reevaluate that offer or mm -hmm. people will have two offers that could possibly be one. Yeah. And so with that call, with those business consulting calls, it just helps bring the light. It brings the Dumbo to your Disney <laughs> I love experience. that. Yeah. I love that. I rode that Dumbo ride with my one-year-old when we were at Disney World and girl, I, as a person who doesn't like heights. Even that was a little bit yeah. scary for me. I was hanging on to my one-year-old just really? as much as he was hanging on to me. Yeah, I'm such a wimp. Oh, man, girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dumbo is probably one of my favorite rides. It's a small world. I mean, I have all of them are probably my favorite. Everything except for the Guardians of the Galaxy at Disneyland. That is my least favorite ride. Oh, um, it always makes me cry. Because it's scary yeah, it's or just what? the Tower of Terror rebranded. Yeah, it's the Tower mm. of Terror rebranded as Guardians oh. of the Galaxy, the one in Disneyland. And it just makes me cry, and then I don't want to do anything else in life ever again. Yeah, it's not my favorite, so. Word yeah. to the wise. I love that you're yeah. giving us tips about sales pages and also about what to avoid at Disney. <laughs> exactly. That That's the thing about it. If your sales page should definitely feel like a Dumbo and def it's just this nice flow and life is great, you get in the air. But if your sales page feels like the Tower of Terror, you might want to reevaluate. If people feel like they're just up and down at fast pace and it's all over the place, you might want to reevaluate that. Yeah, girl, that's totally spot on. Well, thank you so, so much. I'm sending you a big virtual hug today for joining me. Be sure to check out Octavia's business consulting calls and her website to see how she can really serve you and help you to make magic in your business. We will have all the links for you in the show notes. As always, thanks so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, this is your copywriter on call signing off. Thanks for listening to the Copywriter On Call podcast. If this episode has you feeling all sorts of inspired to show up as yourself online, click that subscribe button so you don't miss my stories or practical advice to help you express your quirky, vulnerable, and authentic self online. Chat soon. Love listening to the Copywriter On Call podcast? Ratings and reviews mean everything to podcast hosts like me. I like to think of it as a modern day spin on fan mail. Your feedback helps me share my show with more creative business owners just like you who want to feel empowered to show up authentically online. Thanks for listening.